Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. Pastor Jacob graciously invited me to speak on January 17th, and I was looking forward to that. But here's the funny thing. The last service, speaking from uh, the school that became our home for about three years, um, you know, I always thought when we went to a new building, when we went someplace else, that I would have the privilege of speaking at that last service, and I didn't get to. COVID did it. Okay, so now we have a new home. Pastor Jacob's thinking he's going to have the privilege of speaking the first service here, and he didn't get to either. So isn't that the way the world has been this last year? Backwards and upside down so much of the time. I have to tell you something. I brought my planner up here with me this morning uh, because I, I live my life by this. This is kind of my brain. And this was my planner from 2020. And at the end of the year, it gives you um, all of these questions to think over to um, kind of give yourself a rundown on what you can do different and be better. Listen to my first two questions. From one to 10... How do you feel overall about this past year? <laughs> Don't shout out any numbers, okay? And then the second one, the second one I loved the most of all the questions. Looking back in retrospect, what advice would you give yourself on the first day of the last year? Well, I'll say this more delicately than I thought it, but I thought I would tell myself, grab your backside and run. You know, it was crazy, wasn't it? It was, it was just absolutely crazy. That was my first thought. And actually, I kind of did that as I figured out what was going, but it was running to Jesus, not away from things. And Cornerstone did that great, don't you think? We ran right into it. And we didn't miss a beat. How great and wonderful it is. Actually, and truthfully, I would say in any year at any time, turn to Jesus and run to him and expect him to come through. Cornerstone did that. And it turned out remarkably. Do you remember our word, our Cornerstone word for 2020? Right here it is, new. New, our, our word for the year was new. And our verse was, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. That was Isaiah 43, 19. And how appropriate was that? I mean, right away, crazy things happened. I got, just got back from Israel and Greece from a trip of a lifetime, and, and I got sick immediately, was hospitalized. I had problems, but here was what God had planned. Pastor Jacob was already here and had already been selected as the next senior pastor when I would retire, so we were ready to go on that. We had to leave the school. Oh, no, what are we going to do? Well... Our sister church, our, you know, our overarching body of people, we belong to the New Point Association, and they have a beautiful facility in Canton, and for all of these months that we've been without a home, they gave us free of charge their beautiful facility to record our services and share them with everybody. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Woohoo for New Point. We love them and we appreciate them so much. And then, because they gave it to us free, 
Not one thin dime did we ever have to pay to use their facility. They took care of it. They had it open for us, ready, gave us keys. Can you imagine? They gave us keys to use that. It was so great. So we had the money that we needed to do some technical things to keep us up where we could actually get the word to people and around the world. It was so great. The board and staff and Pastor Jacob, he became the, uh, the interim senior pastor. And then before the summer was over, he became the, the senior pastor. Um, all of them led us amazingly, the board and the staff. There's too many things to tell in this process to tell you how wonderfully God did this new thing. But in the process of all of this happening and God coming through for us, we found a church home. How about that? Now, if you're here live and in person this morning, you recognize this is far too small to really meet our needs long-term. And in fact, we had come by and we had looked at the church and we'd thought, we thought, we love this, but we immediately need space that we can use for a lot more people than this. And then came COVID. And the property is perfect. 155,000 cars pass this property every day. Our consultant tells us it's far better than the property we had in the beginning as far as exposure and letting people know that we're here and all of that. And it has, uh, it's large, large enough property for us to build. Hopefully we'll be uh, starting on it this year, a, a building that will meet all of our needs as we come back together uh, in person when we're just gonna find new ways to change this world when the pandemic is over. And do you know what? It taught us something we would have never learned otherwise. The world needs us to be actively online streaming the gospel of Jesus Christ and doing it with excellence. While we're here in this room, while we're here, there, there will be 800 probably people watching us this morning. And we're not saying just dropping in. We're saying actively watching us from all around the world and here in our community as well. God and you came through amazingly. Now, sadly, I even hate to say this out loud, but it's true. Sadly, one in five churches are not going to outlive this pandemic. They are closing all the time, all the time. Now we trust God, but it's really not because God is failing. Some, some churches have kind of had a season and they, they're not equipped, not ready mentally or, or resource-wise to fit this new challenge. But because of your faithfulness, because of yours and God's hand on us, we're coming through strong. We have hills to climb for sure. We have challenges for the new day that we're in, but, and we're gonna have to climb to get where, where we need to go, but we're doing it. Isn't it awesome? We are doing it. God took us to this place by his mighty hand and our faithfulness. And so that leads us to our, our word for this year. Cornerstone's church word for 2020 is now. Woo, that's a good one, now. Now, it's just one letter different from last year. New, now. One letter different, but it's a big difference. The scripture that we are claiming as our scripture for this year is for us in the church as well. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Now, now. The old has gone. The new is here. Now. When we put our faith in Christ, Jesus doesn't promise us that eventually we're going to get better. No, we're better now. <laughs> we are in Christ. We are forgiven. We are better now. We are new now. Is it going to get better and better? Sure. But now we are new. Now we are new. Uh, Rachel and Aaron's two little boys 
when they get, oh, excuse me, if they're watching right now, Rachel and Aaron's two big and growing boys, um, they love vacation. They love it so much. We all go together. They love it so much that on their doors, they have signs starting weeks ahead of vacation that tell them how many sleeps until vacation. And so they tear off one every day. And the joy all over them when they wake up the day that vacation has started and there's no sleeps left. Their joy is abounding. It's abounding. Are they in the car yet? Well, no. Are they at the Outer Banks yet? Well, no. But is vacation here? Yeah. Yeah, there's no school. There's no work. We're going on vacation. It is now. The new is now. That's the way it is for us. That's the way it is for us. The best is here. It's not just coming. The best is here right now. We have to choose to jump in and ride the rapids. We have to say, Jesus, and say it from our hearts, I have come to you now, and you promised the moment that I came to you, you would give me life now. You promised my church, you promised Cornerstone that we would not have new life and wonderful life and have your presence when COVID is over, when the economy is better, when we get a new building. You said, no, it's new now. It's new now. Here we go. It's here. How will we live the new now successfully? Well, you and I and our entire church, we need to build our life around core values consistently. That's how we get there. Did you know that your, that your values that you live out consistently will lead you to your destiny? One of the interesting things about COVID for me is that I've been contacted by, by people that I haven't seen in years. It's kind of like we focus on uh, memories and we focus on people and relationships now. So, so I heard from someone I hadn't heard from in a few years and we just had a little conversation and I said, I saw on your Facebook, your kids have really grown. And she said, oh no, she said, that's, that's actually an old picture. I haven't posted anything new yet. Let me send you this. You'll be shocked. And she sent me a picture of their whole family. I was completely blown away. But my biggest surprise was not the growth of the kids. It was her husband. He looked phenomenal. He looked like 10 years younger than he did when I saw him before. And I was like, there must be some new medicine on Facebook or I'm out there somewhere I didn't know anything about. And I named her husband and I said, wow, he looks amazing. You know what she said? It's three years of keto. She said he had asthma, he had inflammation, he had arthritis, he had all this kind of stuff. She was selling me really fast. She's telling me all this stuff and she said he dove into it when he was told this would change his life. And he made keto his core value. And she said, this is what keto living that way has done for him. It changed him, probably changed his destiny, probably changed an awful lot that he doesn't even realize yet. And how is it? Well, because he did keto differently than a lot of us do. We do it on Monday and by Tuesday we're done. Yeah, right? It's just kind of where we are. But once you, once you get your core value and your very most core value must be to pursue God with everything that you have. Once you get that determined and you live it consistently, you will go to your destiny unbelievably. It won't be that you don't have challenges. It won't be that there are not things to overcome, but it will be so different for you because your choices will become so easy. 
When you live consistently by the values that Jesus Christ implants in us, when you live there consistently, you don't struggle over your choices because you automatically know this, not that. This, not that. You automatically know that. When I was in uh, school, uh, back in school, there were two people from the same family, different classes, but two people from the same family, very charming, very good, very all those kinds of things, all the qualities that, that uh, you think young people would want to have. They had those, and people talked about them as most likely to succeed. Guess what happened? One of them succeeded very well. He's still amazing the world and making a huge difference. The other brother, who could have been amazing, in fact, teachers thought he was smarter than the other one, he went a different direction. He's, his life has been very sad, very, very sad. He's been addicted for a majority of his life. He's estranged from all of his family, all of those kinds of things. Why? Because even though they said their name was the same, they said they believed the same things, their choices took them very different directions. Your choices show your values every single time. You can say you believe something. You can say, this is my heart. This is where I am. But your core values are told by your choices. You and I are calling and destiny by Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is to change the world, to bring his kingdom to this world individually and as a church. So let's think about it. What is a core value? Patrick Lynch only says this, a core value is something you're willing to get punished over. That means that my, uh, the core value of my grandson Riley is to be funny <laughs> because he's willing to do anything to get a laugh and get punished over it. Actually, in real life, this is where we separate the men for the, from the boys. What will you do? How will you behave when it really costs you? Is that core value that you say you have just a written goal in the front of your life planner? Is it just something you post on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? Or is it really shaping your life? If you're not willing to take pain for it, it's not a core value. You're just talking to hear your head roar. That's what that's about. One of my blessings from uh, 2020 has been that a girl, we have not seen each other since I was in fifth grade, next door neighbor, loved her to death then, didn't know where the other person was, didn't even know if we were still living or whatever, didn't know that. She contacted me on Facebook this year. It's been wonderful. Her name is Merle, and we played together every day when I was a kid, and we've developed this, uh, redeveloped this close friendship again, and uh, we text sometime every single day. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful because I actually have no one in my life that is still living that I can share those memories with but her because Jeannie, my sibling, and my parents who shared those memories with me, are gone. So it's a special, special friendship. And she is in great shape. She and her husband dance and work out and do all these kinds of things. She casually wrote me a text this morning, or this week, not this morning, but she said, Jim and I went to work out. Oh my goodness, the place was crowded. It's all these beginners. I can't wait till about the third week of January when they've all quit <laughs> and we can get around again. 
Kind of funny, kind of not, kind of not. Pastor Jacob told us last week, he told us this, just because we got to the end of the year, this is not the end. This is not the end. He told us you have to know what your values are, what your goal is, and what it's going to cost you. You have to acknowledge, you, acknowledge what it's going to take to get from here to here. Our church goal, our church calling, the way that we state the Great Commission, it's the same thing Jesus said. We're just stating it in a way that we can understand and share with people. Our church goal, our church overarching value, our church mission is to help people find the father of family and a fulfilling future. And COVID doesn't stop that. Lack of the building doesn't stop that. Lack of money doesn't stop that. Difficulties don't stop that. Our understandable focus is helping people find the father of family and a fulfilling future, and it goes on forever. We have to understand what game we're in and understand the values and what it costs if we're going to play this well. Now, I went to a conference a number of years ago, uh, and Simon Sinek, a great speaker, he's done wonderful TED Talks, he did a great job of explaining these values. And it just came to me when I suddenly found out that I was going to be speaking today that this is what I need to tell you. All people, all countries, nations, businesses, organizations, individuals, we're all playing one of two games. We are either playing a finite game which means temporarily, you play for the win, you play this game until you win, or until you lose the resources, the energy, or the will to continue. That's the way I play Scrabble. I play Scrabble to win. Unfortunately, with Charlie and my new competitor, Della, I often don't win. It's, it's pretty tough. But that's how I do it. I either play until she wins or I win, or until I lose the resources, one of us, all of our letters are gone, or I lose the energy or the will to continue. <laughs> I've done that a few times, not very often. But one time, Charlie and I were playing with Della, and, you know, if you play that game, you know the letters that you have and how big a word you can make determines if you go, get to go first. And she very smugly said, like 30 seconds after drawing her letters, I have a seven-letter word. Well, if it's the first word of the game, you get double points. If you, um, if you use a seven-letter word, you get 50 points. And then if you have the letters Q and Z, you get... Uh, 10 points each of those, and if they fall on uh, either double letter score, triple letter score, you can magnify your score. You know what that little stinker spelled? She had the Q and the Z. She was going to play it first. She was going to use all seven letters. So she's getting all those points, and the Q and the Z landed on multiple points. She spelled the word Quetzal. I didn't even believe it was a word. I thought she was thinking pretzel, and she didn't know how to spell. It was Quetzal. It's a bird, a South American bird. And the reason she knew it was because when she was in junior high, she wrote an essay about a Quetzal. I thought that was unfair supernatural help. That's what I thought. But she spelled that, and she, I don't know, she got something like 160 points in the first thing. And Charlie and I both immediately 
lost the energy and the will <laughs> to win. And so we quit. That's what a lot of us are going to do with our resolutions and goals. We're going to play Scrabble. When we get a feeling we may not win or win as quickly as we wanted to, we just, we just quit. It's a finite game. And then, Cynic explains, there's an infinite game. The infinite games are based on the core of who you really are. You're not thinking of winning. A win would be cool. But even if you don't win, this is your value. This is your life. This is what you will keep doing. See, one of my core values is following the call of Jesus Christ. I was called to be a woman minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. My goodness, have I had lots of lessons. But it didn't matter because this is an infinite game I'm in. I am not going to lose the resources, the will, or the energy to win. I am in this forever. This is my life. This is my true value. I will keep doing this. Now, there's so many illustrations I could tell you, but let me just share this one. Some of the finest people we've ever had in the United States military served during the Vietnam War. Can you give them an applause right now? Really, really true. They not only fought physically, but they fought emotionally in every way because our nation, we were playing finite. We were playing, we were just playing to win. We were just playing to win and we did not give them the resources. We, as a nation, our leadership had no clear value and so we were not willing to use overwhelming force. We just kind of played. We just wanted to win. The Vietnamese were different. This little tiny country that we just kept piddling with for a couple decades because we didn't actually throw ourselves into it because we didn't do that, they were fighting for their lives. They were fighting for their soil. They were fighting for their families. And so they themselves and what government they had threw themselves completely behind this and they were going to fight until they dropped dead. It was an infinite thing for them. Let's shift backwards to World War II. Man, we, have, we had half the nations of the world against us. But we fought and we fought hard. Winston Churchill summarized one of our great allies with Great Britain. He summarized that, you know, we're going to fight him on the streets. We're going to fight him in the valley. We're going to fight him on the mountains. We're going to fight him in the water. We're going to fight everywhere. We are not quitting. This is who we are. This is who we are. The United States, at that point in time, we threw everything into this war. Why? Because we were fighting for the essence of who we are against Hitler against what we felt were godless forces and a life that was diametrically opposed to everything that we believed in. We were doing this because of our core values of a nation. We start our official statement of who we are with a statement that every person is created equal and entitled to the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness. From the beginning of our nation, that has been our core values. We fight for people, not against people. That's the way we fight. That's the way we do it. We see it as a forever thing. This is who we are. It will not change. 
This is it, and so we fight for it. This is why, think about this. We're an unusual nation. We fight against people who are trying to take things and treat people in a way we think they should not. And then when we capture one of them, we risk our own lives to save their life. What nation does that? A nation that has core values from its beginning that had core values to do that. An American value has been, let's say it has been, love your enemies. Do good to those who mistreat you. So why are we in trouble now? This is not a political statement about any president or anything like that. This is about us as a nation. We are in trouble now because so much of us, so many of us, one at a time, have shifted away from those core values. We disconnect from those who hate us. We disconnect from our enemies. We shame people who don't think the way they, that we think. We're not living up to all people created equal. We're not living up to the things that we say are our core values that everybody gets the right to the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness. No wonder we're messed up. So much has shifted from our core values. So what do we do now? Oh, we know that some behaviors are wrong. We know that they are. And so what do we do? When there's something that can't get passed, if it's told straight, what do we do? We pork barrel. We hide it in something else. Did, did you know that the United States has a policy that military people in the midst of a war are not allowed to torture that's a core value to us. But we've found out that they have done it, right? Yeah, because they knew it was wrong, so they did it behind the scenes. It doesn't live up to their core value. Listen, let me, let me tell you, you do it too. You do it too. The things that your heart knows does not live up to the core values of Jesus Christ. If you're not living out your core value, you just hide what you do. The things that you do in secret that nobody may never find out tell you what your core values really are, what they really, really are. Listen to John chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly what they have done in the sight of God. That's how we want to live our values. That's how we want to do them. Did you know that when you love people the way Jesus loves people, not everybody's going to clap for you. And a whole bunch of them are not going to be Christian people that clap for you. And so what do we try to do? We try to hide our stuff. Don't hide your stuff. Do it in the sight of God. Love people the way Jesus loved them in the sight of God. That leads us to the next point. Roy Disney said something very, very powerful. It's not hard to make decisions once you know what your values are. It's just really not hard. Are you playing Scrabble? Are you just playing to get a win? Are you just playing to get this to work out right? Or are you saying, I believe this so much, I love people so much, I'm gonna follow Jesus so much till the end of my life. If everybody thinks I'm losing, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with this. I'm sticking with this because this is my... This is my core value. Now, for the next seven weeks, we're going to be having a crash course on our values. These are the way that we say them at Cornerstone. 
But if you are fully a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are determined to follow him from your core, if you're determined to not just play Scrabble and live by a certain way until your resources run out or your energy or will to do it quits, if you're stuck on doing this the Jesus way, these come straight from Jesus. We have seven values expressed in um, Pastor Jacob worked a hard time, a long time, and worked very hard for us to express our values in a way that is very current and relevant for today, and they're, they're wonderful. And when you will live this way, and you will live it in the light, not furtively, Jesus Christ will get a lot of glory, and you will know what to do. So what's our first value we're going to talk about today? It's right here. Long live the king. Can you say it with me and put your hand up as you do? Long live the king. Wow. It's the title of today's sermon. It's on our website. It's one of our values. You can go look at that. But you know, I, I've been watching The Crown. Have, have any of you watched that Netflix series? Anybody seen that? I've been watching that. And, and here's, I felt so sorry for Queen Elizabeth through it because all the way through it, you see many people, they all say long live the queen because that's what they have to do. However, many of them, it's not their value at all. And she's always confused because she's having to pay really close attention to see what they're doing furtively behind the scenes. She's confused about who's in her corner because she goes by their words and she finds their words are not reliable. Did you know that your king already knows your words are not reliable? It's your actions that are. It's the way you live out your values. If you are a true Jesus follow, follower, your number one value is long live the king. Long live the king. It is your total heart's beat. You know it's about him. You know it's not about you. It's not about whether you get your way. You know that you and I are here to make him famous. That is the value of Cornerstone. It's not something that we just say, it's something we live. This is the way the Apostle Paul expressed it. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me um, and I to the world. We don't brag about our standards. We, we don't do that. Some churches do. We don't brag about our standards. You know, on our website, we don't, we don't put our stands on this, that, and the other. You never heard any of us preach a political sermon telling you how to vote or how to do anything like that. We don't do that around here. We don't do that. We're here to make him famous. We're here, not our standards. We're not here to uh, be applauded or critiqued for what or who we're for or against. We're not here to brag about our attendance, our stats, even our building, it's wonderful that we have a building again, but we're not in a competition with anybody for a building. We don't have to have a building to make Jesus famous. We don't have to do that. We are a group of people who our primary goal, our big deal, our big value is that we live to make him famous. The only thing, like the Apostle Paul, the only thing we have to boast about is that Jesus Christ died for us. He rose again and he made us new now. That's what we have to boast about. That's it. That's it. Now, I want to tell you something quickly about the Bible. I wish I could preach a whole sermon on this, so I'm going to have to watch my time really, really quickly. Let me talk to you about the Bible. Your faith is not based on your Bible. Did you know that? 
I'm sorry, your faith is not based on your Bible. You only have the Bible because of your faith. Your faith is based on a real man, the son of God who came to this earth and in front of many, many witnesses, died on a cross, predicted his own death three and three days later that he would rise again and he did that. He did that. And it's because of that and because of his transformation that he makes in the lives of people that we have the Bible. Okay? Are you following me here? If Jesus would not have resurrected, there would not be a Bible. Do you understand that? There would be no Bible. There would be no Christians. There would be no faith. I'm all for you reading your Bible. But come on now. Don't think you're being holy if you won't lay anything on top of it. Your Bible is a book that helps us live like Jesus Christ. The Bible is not the basis for your faith. The king is. The king is the basis for your faith. Now, here's another truth. Did you know there will be more people in heaven that never saw, touched, or read a Bible than there will be who did? We didn't even have a Bible until more than 400 years after Jesus was back in heaven. And they were able to carry on the faith because they passed it word to word, person to person to each other. They were making sure the king lived long. Now, let me tell you this real quick. Boy, I'm running out of time so fast. Okay, so need to tell you this real quick. The Old Testament led us up to Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ could come and fulfill all of the Old Testament. He fulfilled all of that. So it doesn't mean don't pay attention to the, you know, to the good things in the Old Testament. I'm not telling you that. But I'm saying the four Gospels that tell us the life and the words of Jesus Christ are the most important thing in the whole book. Most important thing in the whole book. And then the letters... When Paul wrote his letters and, the, and James, when they wrote their letters, they didn't know they were writing the Bible. They were writing letters to people to tell them, we knew Jesus Christ face to face. This is how he lived. This is what he said. These are the ways that you can best live out your life. So we as a church, we love the Bible. We learn from it. We grow from it. But we go back to Jesus for everything. And I want to tell you this. If you're in doubt, don't argue with people about the Bible. Just go back and see what Jesus did and do that. Don't, just, just do it. Just don't argue with people. So your goal is long live the king. And you can't argue about the Bible while you're upholding the king. You can't do the two things at the same time. So, so focus on that. And this is, the way, this is the way that Paul talked about it. And he was the greatest apologist of all. The greatest one of all. Listen to what he said. You got it right here. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's our job. 
That's our job in our relationships with each other to live like Jesus, to be humble like Jesus, and to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. We share that with everybody. Long live the king. Everybody, that's where we're coming from. Do you understand? You and I were not saved to make heaven. That's a perk. It's a perk. We get to go to heaven because we're saved, because we know Jesus. But the reason we're saved, the reason Jesus didn't just knock us across the head and send us to heaven immediately when we got saved is because our job is big. Our job is big. It's huge. It's huge. We're to be humble like Jesus. We're to share that he is Lord. And we are to change the world, not by monitoring the rules, not by saying, oh, you shouldn't do that, and oh, you shouldn't do that, and you shouldn't do that. We're to love and live as Jesus did. We're to fulfill our values, the first one, long live the king. And as we do it, we will change the world. You see, the first thing we acknowledge is that there is a king. The first thing we acknowledge is that there is a king, a king, one who is in control, We are not. Did you notice that? If 2020 didn't teach you that, you are a slow learner, my friend. You and I are not in control. Everything that we do is to be like the king. We are to follow him. That's our value. Long live the king. And we follow him. We share him. We are to live as he lived, to treat other people the way he treated him, to make easy choices because my top value is the king. My top value is pursuing him. My top value is making him famous. This will build up the name of Jesus Christ and make him famous around the world and famous in your world and famous to people and they won't be cutting him apart because of the way you live. Because your love is pure, your love is strong. You will build up the reputation of Jesus You know that he's the mighty king, but do you know how people come to accept him as the mighty king? Not by being scared into it. You know, when Jesus described himself, do you know how he described himself? We talk about him being king of kings and lord of lords and writers of scripture talked about him in that way. But he talked about himself as I am gentle, I am lowly, I am humble, I'm the friend of sinners. Long live the king. (laughs) Don't you need him to be that in your life? Everybody you know needs that. So quit being so haughty and arrogant and so sure you know everything about the Bible and you know all of this. Be humble, lowly, gentle, a friend of sinners. That's who we're to be. Long live the king. There is a king. And this king is one who willingly gave his life. He is the king who is being who he is for. He's in it forever with you and me. It's infinity. He's not in it to win. He knows he wins. He's in it to serve us, to lead us, to love us, to guide us forever and ever. There is a king. He's seated among us. Let every heart receive him now. Where there is praise, he will inhabit. And there will be grace and mercy all over. There is a king. Every burden will be lifted in his presence. Every trophy will be laid down at his feet. There is a name that rules above all others. Jesus Christ, the king of kings, the king above all kings. There is a king. Say it with me. There is a king. Long live the king. It's an infinite game, guys. 
We're not in it to win one thing or another, to beat another church, to do anything like that. We're not in it for temporary wins. We're in it for infinity. We're in it for infinity. We are willing to make decisions that Jesus would make, no matter who agrees with us and who does not, because we are in it forever. There is a king. Welcome him now. Long live the king. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.